You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, thank you for tuning into this episode of The Pregnancy Podcast. Sorry about the sound quality of this episode. My microphone decided to die on me, so I have a new one on the way, but until then, I wanted to get this episode out, so sorry that the sound is not as good as it usually is for this podcast. Thank you to Zoller for their support of this episode. I am a big fan of the prenatal vitamin from Zoller, and it is so relevant for today's episode because it is one of the very few prenatal vitamins that contains DHA. A link to it will be in the show notes and on the resources page, and you can save 25% off a one-month supply on Amazon with the code PREPOD25. Last week, we talked about eating fish during your pregnancy. We went through all of the benefits, the risks. We talked about mercury and how there's some research showing that selenium may balance out that risk of mercury a little bit. We talked about what to look for on labels when you're buying fish and how you can find some fish that are sustainable and more environmentally friendly. This week, we are talking about omega-3s. This topic came up in the conversation about fish because fish is such a great source of omega-3s, but I'd like to talk more about some other sources of omega-3s and supplementing with fish oil or omega-3s. If you are vegetarian or vegan, we'll also get into some options for that. To recap some of the basics on omega-3s that we talked about last week, Your body can make most of the different types of fats that you need from other fats or raw materials, but unfortunately, your body cannot make omega-3 fatty acids. This is why it's so important to make sure that you're getting them from your diet or from a supplement. Some foods that are high in omega-3s include fish, of course, vegetable oils, nuts, especially walnuts, flax seeds, flaxseed oil, and leafy vegetables. There are three main omega-3s that you want to pay attention to. That is ALA, which is the most common omega-3 fatty acid, especially in most Western diets. And this is found in vegetable oils, nuts, especially walnuts, flax seeds, flaxseed oil, leafy vegetables, and some animal fat, especially in grass-fed animals. ALA is really common in more of the vegetarian and vegan sources of omega-3s. EPA and DHA are the other two omega-3s that you want to pay attention to. DHA, especially during your pregnancy. This is a major structural fat in the human brain and eyes, and it represents about 97% of all omega-3 fats in the brain and 93% of all omega-3 fats in the retina in your eye. DHA is important for your baby's development of their brain and retinas, especially during the third trimester and up until they are about a year and a half old. In addition to needing adequate DHA for your baby's brain and eyes, during pregnancy, getting adequate omega-3s is important because it's associated with improved neurodevelopmental outcomes for your baby, a decrease in the risk of infant allergies, preventing preterm birth, and even preventing depression during pregnancy and postpartum depression. I'll put a link to a review in the show notes that includes data from a lot of different studies that examined omega-3s in pregnancy. And the show notes for this episode can be found at pregnancypodcast.com forward slash episode 74. 
I'm also going to link to one other study that showed that supplementation with omega-3s was found to increase children's IQs. So that will be in the show notes too if you're interested in reading more details on that. There is clear evidence that omega-3s are important during your pregnancy, and this extends into breastfeeding. Remember I said that DHA is important for your baby, especially up through their a year and a half old. Breast milk contains both ALA and DHA, so it's important to make sure that you're getting enough omega-3s even after your baby is born. The average American diet does not include enough omega-3s. This is especially true when we take into account the amount of omega-6 fatty acids that we eat. Like omega-3s, our bodies don't produce omega-6, and while they're important, they also cause some inflammation. American and Western diets contain a lot of oils that are high in linoleic acid, which is an omega-6. This includes oils from corn, soybeans, safflower, cottonseed, and sunflower. What happens is that we end up consuming a really high ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s. In the U.S., the range is somewhere between 10 to 25 times as many omega-6s as omega-3s. And this ratio should be more like 4 to 1 or even 1 to 1. The issue with this high ratio is that omega-6s can impact your body's ability to convert ALA to DHA and EPA. Your body generally uses ALA for energy, but it can convert somewhere between 0.2 and 21% to EPA. This isn't really an efficient conversion process, and your body converts even less to DHA. Plus, if you have a better ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s, those omega-3s are going to help counteract some of the inflammation caused by omega-6s. I know I'm getting a little bit into the science here, and omega-6s aren't the bad guys, but when there are way too many of them and not enough omega-3s, it's not going to be ideal. You already know that you should be striving to eat whole foods rather than processed foods, which is going to be a really good start on cutting back on some of those oils and lowering your intake of omega-6s to get closer to that 4 to 1 or 1 to 1 ratio, which is going to be ideal. Last week, I mentioned that the biggest source of DHA and EPA is fish. But what about some other sources of omega-3s? I'll put a link in the show notes to a list of a lot of different foods that shows their omega-3 content. During pregnancy, you really want to look specifically for DHA, and this does occur primarily in seafood. Some other sources are omega-3 eggs. Hens that produce these eggs are fed a diet that's going to be enriched with flax seeds, fish oil, or algae. And these hens are also pasture-raised, which makes them a little bit higher in omega-3s. And keep in mind that if you see a label that each egg has 225 milligrams of omega-3s, not all of that is going to be DHA. That's just going to be their omega-3 content overall. Chicken does have a small amount of omega-3s, including DHA and EPA. Grass-fed beef is going to be higher in omega-3s, and it has a better omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. I'll put a link to an article in the show notes on that, and we're going to get more into that next week. Vegetarian sources of omega-3s contain ALA, 
but generally not DHA and EPA. Some of that ALA is going to be converted into DHA and EPA, but like I talked about earlier, this process isn't really efficient. Some of those vegetarian sources of the ALA omega-3s include chia seeds, hemp seeds, flaxseed and flaxseed oil, canola and soybean oil, edamame, black walnuts, mayonnaise, refried beans, kidney beans, baked beans, some breads, and there's also some omega-3s in milk. When you're trying to figure out how much omega-3s you need in your diet, there's not a universal recommended daily allowance for omega-3s. The National Academy of Medicine states that adequate intake for pregnant women is 1.4 grams, but there's no specific recommendations for DHA and EPA. I'll put a link to the article on this if you want to read more about their recommendation. And they list this as adequate intake because they said that there wasn't enough data to do a recommended daily value. Most of the other literature that I reviewed for this episode suggested an overall range of 500 to 1,000 milligrams of omega-3s per day, and roughly half of that should be DHA. Most of the literature that I reviewed suggested between 2 to 300 milligrams of DHA specifically every day. So based on consuming two fish servings a week, the average intake per day of omega-3 fatty acids is going to be somewhere between 100 to 250 milligrams of omega-3s and only about 50 to 100 milligrams of DHA. If you're aiming for 300 milligrams of DHA per day, you'd need to take a supplement with about 200 to 250 milligrams. Some fish are going to be higher in omega-3s than others, and I'll put a list of a lot of different foods and their omega-3 content in the show notes. The FDA recommends not exceeding 3 grams per day of EPA and DHA combined, with up to 2 grams per day from dietary supplements. Keep in mind here, 3 grams is 3,000 milligrams. The amounts that I found, although they vary a little bit, are well below this limit. If you're only taking a DHA supplement and not getting any EPA from your diet, it can limit the transport and uptake of DHA to your baby. I don't want to bore you with too much science here. If you really want to read a lengthy article with a lot more details on omega-3 supplementation during pregnancy and how that DHA and EPA work together, I'll put a link in the show notes for you. And all omega-3 supplements should have both DHA and EPA. It is going to be tough to get enough omega-3s from your diet alone unless you are eating a lot of fish more than the recommended two to three servings per week. The most common dietary supplements that contain omega-3s include fish oil, which provides EPA and DHA, and flaxseed oil, which provides ALA. If you are vegetarian or vegan, algae oils are a great source of DHA. And although in this episode I'm talking a lot in terms of fish oil, I will talk about an algae oil supplement that has the same benefits and it would be a good option if you're vegetarian or vegan. Omega-3 fatty acid supplements usually do not have negative side effects. When side effects do occur, they're typically going to be minor gastrointestinal problems like 
belching, indigestion, or diarrhea. Many omega-3 and fish oil supplements are going to state on the package that they're enteric coated, and this means that the coating on the capsule is designed not to dissolve until it reaches your small intestine. This is designed to prevent some of those gastrointestinal complaints. Fish oils that are used in supplements tend to come from smaller fish, like anchovies, mackerel, and sardines. Those tend to be more sustainable from an environmental standpoint, and they have less toxins. If you remember last week, we talked about toxins tending to accumulate in higher amounts the further up the food chain that they travel. Omega-3 oils are also subject to oxidation. When fish oil becomes oxidized, the DHA and EPA lose some of their potency. The degree and rate of oxidation of fish oils are going to be influenced by a lot of different factors, including the fatty acid composition, exposure to oxygen and light, exposure to temperature, the antioxidant content, and the presence of water and heavy metals. A lot happens between fish being caught and all the processing that goes into bottling a supplement. If you want to read more about the oxidation of fish oils, then I'll put a link for you in the show notes on that. You can break open a capsule every once in a while. If it's rancid and it's too oxidized, you would know from the smell or there could be an off taste, which you may not notice if it's in a capsule that you're just swallowing. Another thing you can do to try and prevent oxidation is do not buy fish oil in bulk. Even if it's on a huge sale, you don't want to stock up too far in advance. Some package instructions may recommend to store it in the refrigerator or freezer. You can also look for added antioxidants on the ingredients label. This includes vitamin E, rosemary extract, or astaxanthin, which could slow or prevent that oxidative process. The fish oil supplement industry is a $1.2 billion industry. With a ton of marketing claims, it can be a real challenge to find the right supplement. So I want to help you sift through all of the different brands and narrow down your search to find the right one for you. There's a great website called labdoor.com that is an independent company that reviews supplements like omega-3s. I'll put a link to their rankings in the show notes. They took a look at the top 53 fish oil supplements and rated them based on label accuracy, product purity, nutritional value, ingredient safety, and projected efficacy. Label accuracy was a huge issue for fish oil supplements. The total omega-3 content was plus or minus 60% from what the label stated. And chewable and liquid formulated fish oil supplements contained a lot lower EPA and DHA concentration than the soft gel counterparts. And the majority of fish oil supplements that you're going to see are going to be in those little soft gels. When you look at the rankings of fish oil supplements on labdoor.com, a lot of the top ones had really high doses. Based on most of the literature that I reviewed for this episode, suggesting between 200 to 300 milligrams of DHA specifically every day. I took a look at those plus the prenatal supplement rankings and I'm going to link to my top three recommendations in the show notes. Again, those are at pregnancypodcast.com 
forward slash episode 74. So you don't need to write these down. The three that I really liked were from Nordic Naturals. They contained 205 milligrams of EPA, 480 milligrams of DHA. This was a little bit higher in DHA, so this could be a good option if you aren't getting much from your diet. I also like the Garden of Life Oceans Prenatal. That had 350 milligrams of DHA and not very much EPA. That was only 15 milligrams. And the third one that I liked was from Omega Via, and that had 260 milligrams of DHA and 780 milligrams of EPA. If you want a vegan omega-3 supplement, I like the one from Nordic Naturals, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And that one has 390 milligrams of DHA and 195 milligrams of EPA. With a vegan omega-3 supplement, they're processing EPA and DHA from algae, which is the same source that the fish are getting those omega-3s from. If you would prefer to get a prenatal vitamin with DHA, Zoller makes a really high-quality prenatal vitamin. And I'm sure that you can imagine, after all of the research that I have done, I have pretty high standards for ingredients in vitamins and supplements. The first thing I look for is the naturally occurring form of folate, rather than folic acid. And very few prenatal vitamins have this, because folic acid is a lot cheaper to produce. Even fewer prenatal vitamins have DHA. I was so stoked to find a prenatal vitamin that meets both of these requirements for me. You could take separate pills for a vitamin and DHA, but why not get them both in one? If you want to check out the Zoller Prenatal Vitamin Plus DHA, a link will be in the show notes, and you can save 25% off a one-month supply when you buy them on Amazon with the code PREPOD25. As always, you should be talking to your doctor or midwife about any supplement you're taking, even if it's just an over-the-counter vitamin. This episode is not intended to be medical advice or to replace the advice of your doctor or midwife. This is just the result of a lot of hours of research on my end. To recap today's episode, we talked about why omega-3s are so important and critical during your pregnancy and in the postpartum period. We talked about sources of omega-3s and how you can get more of those into your diet. And we talked about supplementing with omega-3s. A big takeaway you should have from this episode is that when you're looking for an omega-3 supplement, you really want to look for DHA. A supplement can have 1,000 milligrams of omega-3s, but not all of that is going to be DHA. So you want to pay attention to that specifically. And if you are vegetarian or vegan, or you just don't want to take fish oil for whatever reason... You can also get a great omega-3 supplement that is derived from algae rather than fish. And after reviewing a ton of research, looking at a lot of different rankings, price, and everything, there are links to a few fish oil and omega-3 supplements that I would recommend in the show notes. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Pregnancy Podcast today. I hope that you found this episode helpful. Next week, we are talking about another aspect of your diet during pregnancy, which is other meats like beef, pork, chicken. There are some benefits to paying attention to the quality of these meats in your diet. And I have some research to share with you on how you can optimize the benefits and minimize some of the risks when shopping for these foods. 
As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 74.